Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the 1% Code Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Melva. I am so excited to share with you a recent interview that I did with Dr. Mark Costas. Dr. Mark Costas is not your typical dentist and business coach. He learned early on in his career that success is reached when you gather like-minded people who are driven to be the best in their business life and their personal life. It was so exciting to chat with someone who is probably about a decade ahead of where I am in my entrepreneurial pursuits while maintaining a career that I wanted to share portions of that podcast interview. I was on his podcast called the Dentalpreneur Podcast, and you can check him out by going to truedentalsuccess.com. So let's take a listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dentalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Costas. All right, guys, this is going to be a treat today. We have a very intelligent physician on with us today. And uh, we were talking in the pre-chat. She, We have a lot in common in that she is very interested in lots of different ways to generate income, multiple streams of income, we'll call it. Um, welcome to the podcast, Melva Pin Bingham, MD, who is a board-certified radiation oncologist, serial entrepreneur, and investor. Through her online private community, the 1% Code Collective, she provides strategies for top income earners to create multiple streams of income to support the career they want uh, to love again. She's also the host of the newly launched podcast, the 1% Code Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today, Melva? Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. Of course, of course. I love this. I love when I meet other healthcare providers that are also very entrepreneurial. Um, You know, I was very interested in medicine um, and in dentistry when I was coming up. I selected dentistry because I felt like there was more room for entrepreneurialism in dentistry. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I'm fascinated to hear your backstory um, about, you know, how you diverged from strictly um, potentially a medical professional to to now an, a serial entrepreneur as well. I'd love to hear it. Right. right. Sure. Well, thank you again for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited. For the longest sure. time, I haven't been on podcasts or done live interviews because I just had so much going on. And I was like, well, what do I want to talk about? And I, I talk sure. about this in my podcast, but I, I didn't talk about being an entrepreneur for a long time. I felt these constraints of, okay, you're a physician, you're a career professional, and you've gone to school and you're expected to do this, or you make this amount of money. And it was almost this point I had to be released from that to say, I'm an entrepreneur. I like to make different, you know, ways, you know, making money differently. So it, it started for yeah. me, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So we- it Sounds uh, like we're at an AA meeting, right? It's like, <laughs> I am Smelva and I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, you know? It's <laughs> like, you almost have to give yourself permission that it's okay. It's okay to, to seek right. other ways to, to generate income. It's okay. Right. Right. Like it's okay. So you give yourself permission. So I remember actually I got into medical school and when I, when I got into medical school, I had sold my donut unit. Everyone cracks up at this because when they admitted me to medical school, they were like, well, we only accepted you because you had a mini donut business. So it was called Mel's mini donut. And my husband oh my and I, God. I bought it senior year at Duke university and it was like midnight madness. So we'd make these donuts. I got um, paid through the resident fund. Like they hired me as a vendor and then later they realized that I was using an actual unit that made a hundred million donuts per hour. And they're like, well, we didn't know this was really happening in the dorm, but we signed off on it. So here's your check. So like, 
it, it started in those days. And then I sold that to someone who was opening a uh, flea market when I got into medical school because I thought it was too much. And then, you know, we've done everything from peddling roses. We ordered roses from Ecuador. And it was at one point, I've, I've been with my husband now. We've been married 14 years, but we dated like 10 before that. We had three kids. And he's always been like my partner in crime. And we've gotten more sophisticated in our businesses now. <laughs> so, Nova, can I, you know, can I just interrupt you for just one yeah. second? Just because this yeah. is too good. You probably don't know this, but it took me three years to get into dental school. So I graduated from UC San Diego. And then uh, for three years, I was just... I was clawing and scratching every dollar that I had went into another dental school application. So for three years, I tried to get into dental school. I ended up getting into the executive MBA program at the university of San Diego. But what I did for a living during that period of time is I had a catering truck. Oh, okay. So my business, just like you, I had a business right after undergrad and I, I cut my teeth in entrepreneurship driving what we call the roach coach. You know, it was like one of those oh. little catering trucks. I had a, I had, um, Mercedes, my cook in the back and yeah. we would drive around to construction sites. I'd honk the horn, just like a, just like a ice cream man. And the construction right. workers would come out and I would, we would serve them French fries and burgers and carne asada burritos. So it wasn't yeah. a donut uh, truck, but it was a donut <laughs> stand, but it definitely was similar. We have similar entrepreneurial backgrounds. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that, that, that's awesome. But you know, like, I think what that highlights is when, when you're hungry and you, you want to make something happen. So it sounds like you were doing that in between getting into school. And that was, I took a year off between undergrad and med school. So it was kind of that. We also owned a gardening gift shop in between that year with the donuts, but it was just looking for what's possible. And it's kind of funny. I don't know if this works for your audience, but we looked at a pooper scooper business because we yeah. started to ask the questions, what is the need? You know, what's the market and what can we do and insert into our current lives? And so, yeah, it was hot back then, but I had to be Maybe I was 20 then, and people were making so much money just going around picking up poop from dogs. You know, it's like a trillion dollar industry, the pet industry. But anyway, I never did it. Yeah. <laughs> but wow. it was just. Well, you know, follow your passion. Of, <laughs> <laughs> right, follow your passion. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was just that concept of passion. So for me, I, I never got the MBA. It was a lot of back and forth. I'm looking at a lot of different programs, and I didn't do it. I, I think, you know, it might be a dream at one point, but for me, it was that that hustle, that desire, how to make something you know, better. And a lot of it was, I don't know how to explain it. Like I was looking for opportunities where I can make a difference somehow, like food makes people happy. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And for me, entrepreneur was also a balance to the career. So as an oncologist, it's a lot of sad times. If, if you're just now meeting me, you know, I'm always laughing in the clinic, whether it's, you know, good news or bad news, we have a good time, but it was like this escape from reality. So another thing I did, which I don't know if you did this, but flea market. So I got into undergrad with my essay about flea markets, actually. Really? <laughs> and we talked about the cultures that are there. So we'd get there and there were flashlight shoppers. So again, it was my husband. I was digging at the time. We get there at like four o'clock in the morning. You could go around and see what other people have. And I could make my money by nine o'clock before it started. But there were all these families. So like I learned about rice milk and there were people that had you know, pigs there in a, you know, in like the burner and it was all these different cultures and families. And that, that was a time, you know, obviously before COVID and we were able to sell things, meet people, make relationships. And I, I wrote about that, like the flashlight shopper to get into medical school. That's but, cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was cool. And it was a way where people didn't have to know me as my identity as, you know, like, you know, top of the class going to medical school. I just was Melva. Like I was playing Melva. And I think it goes back to, like you said, being an AA meeting, like, hi, my name is Melva. I'm a doctor and an entrepreneur and, and that freedom to do that. So that's my background where we are now. We, um, 
I own, we're real estate investors. A lot of things I do with my husband, we're real estate investors. We've had commercial, we've done rental properties. Um, we own a Cold Stone Creamery franchise. We're in negotiations oh. for a second Cold Stone Creamery. Oh. And we have a Subway franchise that we acquired. And we got both of oh. those in the pandemic. In the pandemic. Wow. No kidding. Huh. That's interesting. That's I, I would love to, I'd love to. Okay. So entrepreneurialism is something that I think is ingrained in a lot of people's DNA. You either kind of have yeah. it or you don't. Right. right. So um, I think the reason that people are attracted to entrepreneurship is a lot of, uh, they, they are able to express their creativity, right? That That's the reason yeah. that it's interesting to me where you can kind of take a spark or a vibration or an idea and turn it into something physical. And I'm a quick start. So I love to get things mm-hmm. up and going. I like that first dollar to come in. I like to see it grow a little bit and then I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. on to the next thing and I turn it over to my integrators and I have several businesses right. and that's basically my pattern over and over and over again. And I realized, you know, um, when I did that personality test and then we realized that I was a quick start, that that's not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't make you a bad person if you bounce to the next thing and go to create right. the next thing and don't stick in the one business that you created for 40 years. I, I just couldn't imagine right. doing that, which is why um, even though dentistry was very suited for me, I felt like multiple practices kept that entrepreneurial itch. I, I was able to continue to scratch that entrepreneurial itch. So right. what I'm getting at is, is, um, in the franchise world, do you feel as mm-hmm. though you are stifled at all? And does it ever feel like a job because, because, um, there's certain rules that you have to follow within those businesses? Cause you could be an entrepreneur and be a franchise owner, but I just wonder if yeah. you're able to, to be truly right. entrepreneurial in those situations. Yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, that was one of those. And, and we did just so I can step back a second. My husband and I looked at the model of business acquisition. So we got into the franchise with you know, um, a business that had been there for 10 years and we invest in that specific Coldstone location because a local casino was coming. And this is Virginia, like casinos are kind of new here. And we had the research. It was, it was almost like a real estate move where you get something where you see, you can add your entrepreneurial creativity sure. and improving it. So right. that's how we looked at it. Now we're with, um, they're based out of Phoenix, actually, Pahala, uh, brands. And they have, I think 25 under their umbrella. Well, Doug Ducey, Doug Ducey, our governor founded Coldstone Creamery and then sold right, it right. to this company. So, so okay, yeah, I'm familiar okay. a little bit with the, oh, yeah. with the history of it, but, but uh, yeah, it's an Arizona company and, and Doug yeah. Ducey is, um, he's a pretty popular governor actually, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, go yeah. on. I'm so, sorry. So, so, well, I just was saying with that, with a company that has that large umbrella, mm-hmm. there was opportunities for, I think that creativity where they want their franchisees to come in and own multiple chains, own multiple stores. And you, you have variety that way. And okay. then, you know, as far as, I don't know, cause that, that was kind of a hesitation. Like, do you really feel like you can be an entrepreneur as a franchise owner? I think there are different areas. So we, we did two models. So we did the business acquisition. So we got an existing business. In our first year, we increased the sales over 100,000, which was already a busy store and it was in the middle of the pandemic. So that was a lot of fun wow, to be able to crazy. say. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Your ice cream shop like, wow. increased by 100,000 during the pandemic? Because yeah, that's not even a typical... During the pandemic. That's like not a typical like to-go food. That's interesting. That's crazy. 
Yeah, you know, a lot of that is uh, a lot of Colson's revenue is cake sales. So celebrations okay. people are having at home. So they got cake sales. That's the lines were out the door, socially distanced, stress, you eat ice cream. The company <laughs> was phenomenal. Like Kahala brand, they're very smart. And that's the other thing is when you franchise, it has to align with your vision as an entrepreneur and sure. the leadership is solid. You know, otherwise we wouldn't have got in there. But it was also opportunities. Like we invested at a time when we had a lot of uncertainty. Like we put a second stone in there. We got a cash register. We, um, we brought on people like, you know, employees, even though we didn't know if people were going to show up or we're going to be shut down. Mm-hmm. But with that, so one, we did business acquisition Two, we brought in management. So we wanted to, you know, the first couple months we were in there, I pulled some 16 hour days on a Sunday and then went to clinic on a Monday. You know, we had our kids in there washing dishes as the manager who was in place at the store wasn't there the first three months. She didn't have COVID, but she had a flu. So we just, it was like, you got to figure this out. And again, it goes back to that innate drive. Like, can you do it? Can you show up? And now, you know, I don't, I haven't been there in a while, but we were looking at kind of like you said, I think mine, I think I'm a quick start analytical. I was a mix, Mm -hmm. but we're the same way. It's like, find something, take it to a certain level and then pass it off to someone who just wants to pour their passion into it daily. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't really our goal. So I feel like I could be an entrepreneur because now our goal is to have like a hundred of these stores. You know, we're already working on the second one within a first year and we have the model and then we have our system of management. So, you know, I don't want to make ice cream and cakes every day. Like it was fun at first, but that's not the goal. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's funny. I I love this. I can continue to tell entrepreneurial stories all day with you, but um, it's funny (laughs) that I can, I can just imagine like if one of your patients came in and you were behind the counter scooping ice cream. Right. And yeah, it's interesting because I have a similar story, of course, because I bought a car wash entrepreneurial at heart. I bought a car wash. It was a soft touch car wash without any mechanisms or anything like that. It basically was a, a, like a steel building that you drove through. Once you were parked in there, there was a hose and a bucket and you'd have three people. Okay. Like, and then, and then you, you, you'd soap it up, you'd rinse it off, you pull it around and then you'd have three other people drying it off. So it was very, very um, manually and human intensive. It's not like, right. you know, the blue ocean car washes now that are going up all over the country that are completely mechanized. And, and it's, right. you know, it's, it's, you know, 25 of them an hour and they just pump people out. This was like three an hour, one at a time, horrible business model. But it was in this small town of Chino Valley, Arizona. And I purchased this car wash. And I distinctly remember one of our guys, and this happened a lot in the car wash business because it was kind of a lower end, um, kind of minimum wage uh, kind of positions that we were offering. Um, one of them called in sick and I was on the drying line. I was, I was one of the guys drying the cars <laughs> and several of my patients came to the car wash that day. And they're like, Dr. Costas. I'm like, yep. Yep. I just bought this car wash and I'm just helping out today. But I was just like right. you, um, you yeah. do what you have to do um, when yeah. you're serving your entrepreneurial passion. And that's just right. part of, that's just part of the deal. It's part of the deal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, tell me about, your um your real estate ventures you have do you have uh commercial as well as residential what do you guys do with real estate so we started the real estate venture when i finished residency so i'm out about 10 years or so now okay and looking back if anyone's listening and they haven't started real estate like i so wish i could go back to instead of buying like the expensive house on the golf course, I would have done like my husband just wanted to do the duplex. We live on one side, rent out the other. 
and looking back, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of mistakes later, like we should have done that. But mm-hmm. we started with, um, we started with flipping. So we amassed a lot at once. Like we had really good success. We got like nine at once. And then we looked at portfolios. And then as I changed for jobs and residencies, you know, moving, we needed to have a smarter portfolio. So we got rid of them and we had properties in like three states, basically wherever I was going. And we condensed that down. So now we have a couple rentals and then we have a commercial building that's mixed use. That's a rehab. And it's been more of like a slower passion project. So there are seven apartments up top. There's a restaurant on the bottom and then like an event rental space or office space. And it's located at a shipyard. So it has some limitations with parking. Um, yeah, it's cool. And then you have like historical tax credits if we're rehabbing it, but we kind of move slow instead of taking money on it or adding investors. Is it um, in an opportunity zone the- or? Mm, it is. It's in a historical zone where before COVID, there were a lot of plans to redo that area. It's, it's on the water at a you know major shipyard in Newport News, Virginia. Um I think it's, I think, I think it is, but it's been more, more of those, like, we're kind of working on it, like piecing it together versus gotcha. finishing it. Like the restaurant's almost done. So the entrepreneurial drive of having our own restaurant is like being built. It should be done in the next couple months. So, so that, that we're doing that. going to be yours? Yeah, that'll be ours. Wow. So we own the building. We'll own the restaurant. Our cousin who we actually brought in, um, as a regional manager over our franchises, he's a chef very oh. well-known, successful private chef. So he's always really wanted the restaurant. But you know that difference between people who have a talent, but they don't have that entrepreneurial skill? Mm-hmm. We're kind of his entrepreneurial backing for his pursuits. So nice. he, along with my husband, are going to open the restaurant. Um, it, it's completely different than our franchises, so it's no non-compete. So we have that, and then we've done rentals. Um, that's, that's about it, but we fixed and flipped a lot. We never got into wholesale. For me, that just I wasn't, I didn't want to do the marketing or set up the marketing and that's kind of what they sold. And a lot of what I talked to you about in my group is, you know, positioning yourself. I think lending would be great and we haven't done lending. Um, that's the other thing I would do. So that's our real estate story. Interesting. Okay. So tell us about, uh, um, this is a really, really hot topic in, in our community right now that okay. is um, angel investing and finding kind of good tech startups because Man, in in dentistry and in healthcare in general, there's a lot of these tech startups. Um, mm-hmm. You know, financial uh, financial startups. I guess you could call them like financial fintech. They call them fintech startups that are getting a lot of traction these days, and the multiples are really high on um, on the acquisitions. So, um, you know, between angel investing and and lending and and uh, and the different other entrepreneurial opportunities out there. What are your mm-hmm. favorites and what do you guys talk most about in your community? Um, so we, I, I spent a long time. One of my business coaches actually got us in, we got in pretty early on our first friends and family round. So we're investors in, um, it's called radius AI. They're actually out of Phoenix. I don't know if you've heard them or had them on your show. Mm-hmm. They they kind of shifted their vertical a little bit. It's it's kind of the artificial intelligence cameras. And originally they were at gas stations. Then they got through to Mayo Clinic and were able to do the identification for COVID screening. Oh, so that cool. was really my, yeah, that was my first experience with that at the time. And we went in with a group of other real estate investors and we kind of did that same joint venture to get in, you know, for the minimum instead of putting all our money in that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing more of those, I think, 
it's a little bit different for me, honestly, being on the East coast. I don't know that you hear about it as much as like Arizona, California. I trained in residency in Southern California at California Irvine and orange. Um, so both, both my girls were born in long beach and we lived there for a while. And I feel like it's just different dynamics, but Mm -hmm. it was definitely a great move. Like, you know, it's increased our portfolio. Well, I think it takes a lot of risk. And what I find with a lot of physicians and, you know, I'm not sure if it's the same in the dental world. It's that, it's that risk of, okay, this is great. They're startups. What's going to happen to my money. And that's what I hear the most often people have a pause button. And I'll tell you when we got in, we saw a presentation, I trusted the mentor who, you know, ruled it moved into this kind of like VP role of the company, given our marketing background. And we just went so like, we just did it. You know, like we set up the self-directed IRA, took some funds from the 401k, took some cash and we just like, it, it's done. And I think a lot of people don't do that. that. That's probably what I would say. I hear the most of is the fear around that. Yeah. So do you guys uh, in your community and on your podcast, do you talk about um, the different ways to structure these deals, how to create, you know, passive income. What are some of the hot topics that you like to talk about inside the community and on the podcast? So I, I really like talking about leveraged opportunities. Like mm-hmm. I think that's what was missing when I first started out being in a position where I had enough money to position myself differently than I could have as a broke resident or, you know, when I was you know, selling donuts and didn't have any money to my name. And I was a broke undergrad. I hope you join us next week in the second of this two-part series with my interview with Dr. Mark Costas, founder of the Dentalpreneur Podcast and the Dental Success Institute. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the 1% Code Podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and I would love your five-star review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on all social media channels at Dr. spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-M-E-L-V-A at Dr. Melva. And I want to make sure that you and anyone else you know that would benefit from the 1% Code Podcast is a member of my private community on Facebook, the 1% Code Collective. I would love for you to join me there. Link in the bio. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.